is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we everybody good morning to everybody at the way thank you for joining us we thank you if you are um, at home viewing us on YouTube Facebook we thank you for tuning in we thank you for coming we thank you for the support and the patience in this time as always thank you so much uh, we love you guys and if you uh, just really quick if you have any prayer requests make sure you let us know that you're watching and you can type it on uh, YouTube on the comments or you can put it in the app. Don't forget, we are here for you. If you need anything, if you have any requests, any desires, any needs, we are in this together. You are not alone and we are not alone. So let us do this together, amen? Amen, I just wanted to share something really quick in Psalms 31, 23. It says, oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful. Has the Lord preserved our lives through this time? Yes, and amen. <laughs> and he fully repays the proud person. So verse 24, this is it right here. Hold on to this. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Let it be known in this time that our hope is still in the Lord. It is still in the Savior. He preserves our lives. He cares for every moment of every life. Amen? Amen. We love you in this place, Lord. We are so excited to be in your house. 
Yes, we can be with you anywhere. We can call on your name anytime. But Lord, your sanctuary, where you dwell, your bride, we love to be connected to you, our groom. Oh, we just want to remind you, Lord, you are still enough. You're the cure for every disease. You're the hope for every person. And you are still the savior of the world. We love you. Move. Pour out your peace. Strengthen our hearts. And give us courage and boldness to be a light in this world in this very dark time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand with us if you are here. Get your families together and join us in worship.
faithfulness. Jesus, your consistency. The way you remain in every season. Oh Lord, may we be reconciled to you. In these days, we love you and we will sing and praise you through it all. May you turn it around. May you turn it around for our good and your glory. begin with us inside of us first and let us be walking in the overflow and let people when they just become near to us they feel something different they feel the peace they feel joy oh let it be known that all we have is because of you Lord and it is from you
think we got cheated of our Easter. I think we should have an Easter redo. <laughs> Celebrate Easter in August or something. <laughs> but there is something that we cannot deny, and that is the resurrection of our Savior. There is no other religion, and you can take this to the bank, and you can talk with people, not argue, but talk with people who have uh, a different outlook or input. Muhammad never claimed to be raised from the dead. Buddha never claimed to be raised from the dead. Every other religion, ours is the only one that claimed to defeat the grave and did and rose and it was recorded and thousands of years later, we take that message and continue to move forward with it. Amen? Let's support the reality of the resurrection as we move into this next season, as restrictions are becoming lifted, and as nights are becoming very dark, as hearts are broken, and cities, and worldwide, let's remember, it's a resurrection. There's hope in our Savior. There's hope in Christ. Still, still, let's tell him, and let's tell the world he's still enough. Amen? Sing a little
all. We pray for awesome health, Lord, in and out of this place, in and out of grocery stores. We pray that you remind us to call upon your name, for that is the one that saves, a name above all names. We love you in this place and outside of this place. Every street, God, who has not been covered by your blood, please cover it, protect, and care for. We know that you see, we know that you are aware, but remind us you care and you are weeping with those who weep. You rejoice with those who rejoice. Teach us to do the same. We love you in this place and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen, amen. We're going to skip right over meet and greet so that we can um, adhere to um, CDC guidelines. So just take your seats. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Wow. Can we give the Lord another... Lo some love man uh, I'm just overwhelmed by being back with the body uh, feels so good um, so a couple of quick announcements and we will get started uh, so the women uh, we will they will continue to uh, gather via zoom for a couple of weeks amen so if you're at home uh, this Tuesday, it will be on our church calendar, so please go on there and uh, join all the women and just um, be blessed by that time together. Also, the men, uh, the following Tuesday is when we will be gathering a week after the women's to, um, to get together and just, you know, be together. And again, that's going to be via Zoom. Um, then the youth, same thing, along with the young adults, we will also be gathering the young adults on Wednesday nights and the youth on Friday nights will get together via Zoom for a couple more weeks. Uh, but this will also come past and uh, we will be able to actually come together again without these ridiculous masks and gloves and, and shirts like this that says I will hug you. So um, this is all temporary. Amen. Amen. Um, but let's please let's just be sensitive during these times because everyone has a different you know, comfort level with, with what's going on. So let's just respect one another's space and let's not, you know, the enemy can use this, guys, as we, you know, we know to just create division, if you will, in some way, right? So just be sensitive and, and just forgive if someone just may have offended you, you know, let's just be forgiving because the Lord's telling us, he tells us to forgive. So let's just forgive our brothers and sisters. Don't let the enemy steal our joy when we're coming together, let's really capitalize in these moments. So, tithe and offering. Um, first of all, the church wants to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness during these tough times. You know, I was thinking about it, including my family, we've seen a reduction in income in our household. And um, praise God, because of His strength, we were able to stay faithful. As hard as it is, and I know it's hard for everyone else, guys, but thank you for staying faithful. It's allowed us to continue to come here and just uh, share the word of God. And uh, we thank you from our bottom of our hearts. Um, the scripture we're going to share is in uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. 
Um, there's a couple of ways you guys can give. We're going to share uh, a text that you guys can give. The baskets will be going. Uh, Bernadine will bring, bring those around. And um, you can also give on the website. Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Oh, this spoke to me in a special way this morning. Our treasure is our Father. Our desire is to gather in His house and praise Him and be with Him and hear from Him. Amen? So with those cheerful hearts as we are here today and as you guys are online uh, joining us, let's give to the Lord. Let's be obedient to Him and continue to be faithful to Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our mouth to speak, our nose to smell, and the breath that you breathed into our lungs to give us life, Father. We thank you for just this opportunity, Father, to be together in your house, Lord, to praise and worship you, Father God, and, and to hear from you, Lord. Do something special this morning, Father God, as we gather in your home. Uh, Lord, we just ask you to remove all distractions that is so loud in our lives today, especially during these times, Father God. We ask you to uh, use what he's using for evil, Father, for good, Lord, because that's what you do, Father God. Show us the hope that you, lead, that you provide for us. Show us the love, Father God, that you have for us, Lord. Just pour yourself in this place this morning and uh, do something new and special for us. Re revive us, Father. Reveal something new to us this morning. We are, we are so thankful for just delivering the desires of our heart to be able to gather again in your house to, to worship you and to hear from you, Lord. We love you. Have your way. Bless our pastor and the message that you're going to speak through him, Lord. Anoint his mind, his heart, and his tongue, and just bless us this morning. We love you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Can we please uh, welcome up our pastor, Pastor Vaughn. All right. Good morning, everybody. Let me uh, grab my sanitation devices here, put them down. But they're ready for, for quick reapplication. So uh, I'm not sure if it's real or if it's a mirage, but I see people <laughs> in the church this morning and uh man it's, it's good to see you guys it's good to see you guys here in the building amen we're so happy uh to be able to gather uh today we're also blessed um as we heard to be able to continue to live stream and uh for those who aren't here with us in the building today but call this church home um we're, we're happy that we're able to continue to minister to you and uh, we want to say this if, if it hasn't been made clear. Um, no judgment here. We feel like uh, there's a lot of different ways that people feel about what's going on right now. And uh, we want to be patient. You know, we're in an eternal race. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, we believe that that uh, God will minister to each and every one of us about when to go back outside and when to go back to church and when to to uh, 
connect with, the, with each other and, and uh, be able to, to hug and do all that kind of stuff. So we love you guys and uh, can't wait to see you, but, uh, but we're with you. Um, also, those that, that don't call this church home, uh, that maybe you're, you're watching online or something like that and, and you're a visitor, we're happy that uh, one of the things that we, um, we learned through this, through this time is that uh, God has magnificent reach you know, and we can connect with other people. So we appreciate you. We appreciate the encouragement. And uh, we hope that you continue to be blessed by what God's doing here at The Way. Amen? Amen. Amen. I was, I've been saying that for weeks and there's been no people. So I, I really want to hear it from those of you who are here. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Um, so listen, before I get into the message, and I do have a message, and I, and I feel like uh, God, uh, as always, hopefully we'll, we'll minister to you and, and uh, we, can, we can get excited about what God has um, in the message today. But before um, I do that, uh, I think I would be doing myself and all of you who are here and all of you who may be watching um, an injustice if I didn't address what's going on uh, in our country right now. So I'm going to take just two minutes. You guys can pull out your stopwatch if you want to. But I'm going to take just two minutes, um, and that can be dangerous. You know, with, with such a significant issue, we know that it can't be dealt with in two minutes. But I hope that you'll all have grace, and I hope that you guys will use prayer to evaluate, you know, what it is that I have to say and what it is that I want to share uh, this morning with you. And that's actually what I want to share first. This doesn't count as part of my two minutes, uh, is that I'm talking to born-again Christians right now. One of the things in the conversation is all of us experience pain. All of us understand suffering and injustice and, and all that kind of stuff. But how we process it is based on who we believe in. How we process it is what we, based on what we believe eternity holds for us. How we process it is based on uh, a, a foundation that we live by, look by, listen by. Um, so as I share what I'm going to share with you for a minute here, uh, that's who I'm talking to. And I think if we can acknowledge that, we can understand how, how people may, may receive it. You know, I recognize that every time that I preach, every time that I share anything in this church, uh, non-believers um, won't easily be able to reconcile the things that I'm talking about. Um, and sadly, though, sometimes it's the same for believers. Um, but what the difference is, is that there's something in the heart of a believer that forces us to continue to think about what may have been shared, to actually go back and pray about what was talked about in a particular church service, and even wrestle with how that lands with us and how we, um, how we are able to digest it and receive that. So uh, that's all I'm asking for, is that we would continue to be Christians that do that, you know, wrestle with the things that we talk about. All right? So two-minute clock starts now. So as a Christian, as a black man, and as a black father, I want to be clear that I'm angry, that I'm hurt, that I have very strong feelings about what's happened, what is happening, and what I believe is going to continue to happen for a long time. My desire is to just keep it real with you guys. Um, I always try to do that, but I think as your pastor, it's important for you to know where I'm at and where I stand and where, where I lead from.
So I have these two visions, these pictures that keep coming to my mind that I keep seeing myself in this time. The first is uh, I see myself as a, as a Christian pastor and I'm kneeling and I'm weeping and I'm holding the dead bodies of my black brothers and sisters and I'm crying out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I can see myself doing that. But I also see this other vision of myself as a black man and I'm kneeling and I'm weeping as I hold the dead bodies of my black brothers and sisters and I'm crying out, marching hasn't worked. <laughs> kneeling hasn't worked. So I don't care, I'll burn it down before I let you keep killing us. Before you get to me and you get to my sons and that's the truth. Those are the voices I hear and they're loud. So here's the shocker. I don't believe that one of those is sin and the other is righteous. I've sat with these visions and I've realized that Jesus is with me in both. Amen. When Stephen was martyred, the book of Acts, he was stoned to death, and he was stoned for telling the truth about who Jesus is and how far those people who were the so-called religious had gotten away from God. They stoned him to death for that. And Stephen cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The scriptures tell us that the heavens opened and he saw the son sitting next to the father. And they were ready to welcome him home. And he just dealt with it. But we also hear about Peter being a strong follower of Christ, being committed and truly serving God. And there came a time where <laughs> Peter said, nah, to hell with this. You ain't about to just take Jesus right here next to me and arrest him and kill him while I stand here and do nothing. And he got angry and he got violent. And I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible reads that Jesus was right there next to him. Jesus may have said, Peter, this isn't the best way to go about this. And Jesus may have actually healed the enemy in that moment. But he was with Peter in that moment. Not off to the sidelines somewhere else. The point this morning is that both of these men were on the right side and Jesus was there with both of them. With, Steve, with Stephen, he was there in Stephen's patience. And with Peter, he was there in his anger. So I would never condone hurting anyone. Thank you, brother. I would never condone hurting anyone in response to being hurt. So like I said, please listen with grace and with mercy and through prayer. But I'll tell you this, there's a lot of people who are judging from the sidelines. 
And I know that Jesus is right there with the people in the marches and in the riots and in the anger and in the pain. He may be telling us, just like he told Peter, that there's a better way, but he ain't doing that from the couch and he ain't doing that on Facebook from the safety of a home. He ain't doing that on Instagram. He's doing it with his arms locked with us and telling the world, I'm still with them. So I wanna finish this two minutes <laughs> with one last thing, some imagery for you to consider as you uh, navigate these choppy waters. Imagine someone comes into your home, rapes and kills your wife or your daughter or your sister or your mother. You and your family and your friends, you lose it <laughs> because you know who's actually responsible and they're roaming around free as if nothing has happened. You can't get to them, but you're lost. Your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, your friends are losing it. And within 24 hours, before you can even bury your wife or your daughter or your mother or your sister, the friends and the family of the rapist and murderer begin to tell you that they don't appreciate the way you're responding to the situation. This is what it feels like to watch people that I've pastored say things and post things. This is what it feels like to watch people that I've called friends for my whole life say things and post things. To post one sentence that says, rest in peace. And then to write a dissertation about the problems with rioting. I said it before, there's nothing right about hurting anyone who's innocent. But please, keep your comments for rooting, looting and rioting and marching and whatever else. How about you let us bury our brothers and sisters first? How about you get out and show us how to do it properly? Maybe next time we can get some rules and regulations for how to respond to being murdered in the streets. But until then, I, I ask you to exercise patience and caution and to remember what it feels like for those who call this church home, what it feels like for me as your pastor when I see what you write and what you post. And for anybody that has friends in the black community, what it feels like to them. It may not be your intention, but I'm telling you what it feels like. So my two minutes are up. I gave you some feelings and some perspective. Now I wanna to get to the message that I have for you and, and hopefully we'll get some answers and some solutions. My answers, my solution to the problem is the same as it always has been. It's Jesus. <laughs> we're going to keep preaching and teaching the good news, and we're going to allow God to save and deliver and transform and to heal people. So with that said, we're going to continue in our Faith Factory series uh, this morning. Faith Factory. Amen. Me and one other are excited about that. <laughs> I'm just going to believe that everybody at home is just clapping like crazy for Faith Factory right now. I wasn't sure if I was going to turn this into a series or if it was just going to be a single message that we shared a couple of weeks ago, but actually our, our social media ministry leader 
She was so excited. She posted last week that we're going into week number two. I was like, girl, we haven't even talked about this. She was just telling me where we needed to go. We had a guest preacher coming. She was like, nope, Faith Factory. Tell him he needs to preach on that. <laughs> I was getting all kinds of texts after that message. Uh, hey, pastor, how's your Faith Factory? And people telling me, my Faith Factory is running like a well-oiled machine and all this Faith Factory talk. So uh, even Mary, uh, she asked me at least five times in the last couple of weeks, hey, so are we going to continue Faith Factory? So um, that's what we're going to do. I, I appreciate um, the encouragement and the prompting. I enjoyed preaching on it a couple of weeks ago, and I'm excited to keep going in that direction. So our main portion of scripture was from 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 2 through 8. And uh, um, yeah, here we go. 2 Peter 1, 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and they abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we looked at the faith factory, we said that uh, each of us is an individual faith factory. That was the imagery, right? You've got this plant, you've got this factory. It's the bond factory. It's the you factory, and it's a faith factory. It's designed that way by God, and it only produces faith. That's his only goal and his only intention. God wants to build faithful men and women, and we're shaped and molded after the prototype, right? the original, the supremely faithful one who is Jesus. So our faith factories are trying to conform us into that image, take things out of us that are not in Christ and pour things into us that are in Christ, that we would be like Christ. Right? So we saw that not only does God want to pour these things into this mixture that, that produces faith in us, but possibly in a particular order. We said that it's virtue, then knowledge, then self-control, then perseverance or enduring, we begin to see godliness in our lives. And once, we, once we've done all those things, then it gets out of uh, the personal realm and it goes into the realm of how we interact with others and we begin to have brotherly kindness and eventually we add love. So we looked at each of these uh, stations in the factory, how important they are when we started this series and uh, what's lacking or missing if we were to try to skip any of those things, right? Uh, so this morning, what we're going to look at is the secret ingredient. The secret ingredient. So in any factory, any plant where there's a special product being made, there's an area where the secret ingredient is added, and that secret ingredient makes that product different from all the other products, right? They're, they could be making the same product or say that they are, but it tastes a little bit different, it looks a little bit different, uh, maybe the product doesn't last as long as the original, and it's based on the secret ingredient, right, that nobody knows about. It's top secret, but it's very important, right? The competitors try to replicate it, but they just can't do it, right? This is how we know the difference between the knockoff and the real thing. 
I remember going on a mission trip one time. Uh, I was newly married, left my wife behind, and went out to save the world. And uh, I brought her back a Louis Vuitton purse. And she looked at it like she was so happy. And now in hindsight, when I look back, it was a look of happiness, but she was like, I know it's fake. I know it's a knockoff. I, I knew it was a knockoff too, you know. I, I, $20 for a Louis Vuitton bag, like, come on now. But in, in the faith factory, right, it's, it's the secret ingredient that determines what's real, what's a knockoff, and uh, that it can't be replicated. No matter how good it looks, it's not the same thing, right? So when it comes to uh, our faith and our faith factories, when the secret ingredient's missing, we can sense it, we can taste it, and those who are around us can sense it and taste it. Something's not quite right with their faith. <laughs> Something's missing in this product. It looks like Pepsi. It kind of tastes like Pepsi, but it ain't Pepsi. <laughs> Something's missing. So let's see if we can figure out what it is that isn't in our list of seven things we already looked at and what that secret ingredient is. So here's kind of the background. The Israelites in the Old Testament, as part of the laws and the commandments, they'd have to come back to Jerusalem from wherever they were in the region, they'd have to do that three times a year. Say three times. Three times. All right. Wow, I missed that. <laughs> Woo. So they come back three times a year. The first time they'd come back is for Passover or the feast or Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. The second time they'd come back uh, for weeks or the harvest celebration, right? And then the third time every year that they were required to come back, they'd come back for the celebration of tabernacles or they call it the celebration of booths. All right. So when you read the scriptures and you see Jesus as a boy coming back, uh, even when he's 12 years old and his parents misplace him or lose him and he's in the temple, they're coming back for the Passover feast. So three times a year, from the time Jesus was born, he'd come back and he'd come back. Then later on in the Gospels, we read that Jesus is with his disciples and that's what they would do. They'd come back to Jerusalem. They'd be there for all the feasts. They'd be there for all the celebrations. Jesus would say, I'm not even going to go up there for this particular feast. And then he'd sneak up there. Why do we see that? Jesus tells us that he didn't come to abolish the law, but he comes to fulfill it, right? So he would fulfill the Jewish law by, by attending these feasts and doing what he was supposed to do as a good Israelite, right? But the New Testament gives us what we'll call further revelation of these feasts, of these celebrations, and what their fulfillment and their true meanings uh, really are. And we find out that they're all about Christ. They're all about Jesus, that they're not just celebrations or feasts or, or a reason to go back uh, home if you've been far away, that it's all pointing to uh, Jesus, right? So the Passover is sacrificed. It's prepared on Friday. You have the Sabbath on Saturday. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins on that Sunday, and it goes for a week, right? And what the Passover is about, they look back, the Israelites look back on uh, the, uh, the, the exodus from Egypt, being released, being delivered, and they do this every year. They come back for the Passover feast. This feast of unleavened bread after the Passover that goes for that first week, that first seven days, is the beginning of what's called the celebration of first fruits. All right? So there's this death of Christ, and then seven days later, seven's the number of completion, they have this feast of first fruits. 
So what they're saying is there's nothing coming from the ground. There's no life. All we're thinking about is death, even though there's been deliverance. But now we're seeing the first fruit. Something's popping out of the ground. There's the first tomato, the first strawberry, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, maybe there is hope. So they'd have Passover and the feast of first fruits for those first seven days. So fast forward, New Testament in Christ, we see same thing, his sacrificial death, his uh, resurrection, and that Friday to Sunday for Passover. You have the seven-day feast of unleavened bread, right? Um, and we begin to see that something is popping up. Jesus is back alive. Believers are coming to him. He's showing himself, and there's something beginning to start to be birthed, right? We realize that we're truly free, and new life is springing up, right? In the church also, we have this seven-day sense of completion. The church begins to gather on Sundays after this instead of on Saturdays because something new is happening. Something has changed. Something has shifted. And Jesus in the scriptures is called the first fruits in the New Testament. And disciples and believers are called the first fruits when you read through the scriptures, right? So these feasts are pointing to, to Christ. The celebration of tabernacles or booths was later in the year. Israelites would come back to Jerusalem and they'd stay in booths or tabernacles or tents. They'd all come back and they'd stay in these tents and they'd celebrate for another week and remember that they lived that way for 40 years. So even though their lives had changed, they'd come back, they'd spend a week saying, we're going to stay in these tents and we're going to look back on God provided for us, God protected us, God fed us, all these things that he did. So they'd have to come back for this week and have this celebration every year while they were trying to get into the promised land. So New Testament, fast forward, we have Christ. We find this ongoing provision that Christ is providing for us for help, protection, forgiveness. We journey in our own personal wilderness and we long for the heavenly promised land, right? In the real wilderness for the children of Israel, manna fell from heaven every day, right? For us, the scriptures tell us that Jesus is the bread of life. We're even told to pray, Father, give us our daily bread. So it wasn't just about these feasts and this manna falling. It's all pointing to Christ. It's all pointing to New Testament, how we are and where we are now. We are sojourners. We are pilgrims. We have homes and we have a nation, but they are tents. <laughs> they are tabernacles preparing us for our eternal home, for our promised land, our heavenly homes. Paul says that our bodies, our physical bodies are actually tents and we long for... Uh, our eternal bodies that are ready for heaven. So the feast of the celebration we're going to look at today in search of the secret ingredient is the feast or the celebration in the middle of these two, which is the feast of weeks or the feast of harvest. So Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, they take place within a week. Then we see seven full weeks from Passover. There's a harvest celebration seven full weeks later. The Israelites would come back. They thank God for their salvation, for the first fruits, for the promise that they were going to have new lives. And then 50 days later, seven full weeks, they'd come back and say, thank you for all these things. And then there would be a harvest. There'd be a crop. There'd be an, uh, an abundance in their lives. Things that they were hoping for, now they're actually receiving. So they'd come back to honor God and, and to bless him for that. In the New Testament, we see Christ crucified at Passover. We see him raised at the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He appears to his disciples in the upper room on that end of Unleavened Bread and the beginning of First Fruits. Um, and then Jesus ascends to heaven. 
And then on the 50th day from that Passover celebration, there's a harvest, there's provision, there's abundance. The disciples are gathered, they're in an upper room. God sends the Holy Spirit on what we now call the day of Pentecost. Today is March 31st, 2020, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's a long story to get there, amen? <laughs> Today is that day. We are 50 days from um, Easter and Good Friday, death, resurrection, first fruits, and now we're 50 days removed from that. Today is Pentecost Sunday. What a glorious day to be gathering back in the building again. <laughs> what a glorious day to be reminded that in many ways we are still in a wilderness and the struggle is real. We need him and we need his provision. What a glorious day to be reminded that he still saves, he still delivers, we still have hope, he will provide, and he'll keep his promises. So let's look at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and then we'll pray. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, say all, all. say all. all, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all there because it was one of the three feasts and wherever they were in the, in the world, they had to come back and God pours out Pentecost. Verse 6. When the, when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So, we, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Let's pray. Jesus, you said that all those who hear the truth hear your voice. Lord, this morning, in many ways, more than ever before, we need to hear your voice. We need to hear it in our own language. We need to receive it in a way that gets down to the very core of us. We need you to do on this Pentecost what you did on that Pentecost, that you would speak to men and women from every nation from every tongue, from every background, from every color, that you would be glorified, that you would remove all doubt, that you would speak clearly, Lord. We need you to do that, Lord. We believe that you can. We believe that you will. We don't believe that it's by chance that today is Pentecost Sunday. We believe that you've poured out your spirit in the past and you desire to pour out your spirit again in the present, Lord God. We ask that you would help us 
to listen, help us to receive, help us to be open to your word, not the words of a man, not the words of our friends and family, but your word. Help us to be led by your spirit. Help us to wrestle with the word, Lord God. Help us to seek you out in your scriptures, Lord. Meet us where we are right now, Lord. You see your sons, you see your daughters. You know where we are, you know what we're thinking, you know what we're going through, Lord. We just believe that you're right there with us. Have your way this morning. Have your way over the rest of this message. Have your way over every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right. So I'm going to tell you three things. Number one, what the secret ingredient is. Number two, what the secret ingredient does for your faith. And number three, how to make sure your faith factory is fully stocked with it. All right. What the secret ingredient is, what it does for your faith and how to make sure you're fully stocked. So number one, what is the secret ingredient? I really hope that many of you are following along and you know before I even tell you, the secret ingredient in your faith factory is the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Father sent the Holy Spirit as the Son had promised that he would, right? There was something missing, right? They had already been with Jesus. They had revelation of him being the Christ and the Messiah. They knew the father and already had a relationship with him. But there's still something missing. There's an ingredient that they have not received yet and not in the way that God would have them to fully. So in John chapter 16, verse 5, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you about going away, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he's come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but, I can, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he'll tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is not an additive or something infused into your mix like minerals that make water taste better. I heard some of our, our worship team was practicing yesterday and they were, and they were talking about water, uh, like really spiritual, holy water. And no, they were talking about Arrowhead. And I was thinking to myself, this is the nastiest water out there. And... <laughs> I didn't say anything because somebody said it for me on the worship team. And I was like, yeah. But there's, we think it's all the same water, but all they're doing, they infuse it with minerals. Some people are like, oh, I like that great value Walmart water. I need Avion or I need Fiji or Fuji. It's all water, but the only difference is they infuse it with some minerals that make it take a, taste a particular way, right? But at the end of the day, it's still just water. The Holy Spirit ain't like that. It's not like, oh, let's make this a little bit more fun. Let's make this taste a little bit better. Let's be able to get a little bit more excited. Let's infuse it with a little bit of the Holy Spirit. 
No, he is the secret ingredient that makes faith faith. Without the Holy Spirit, you're a knockoff. We don't have faith. We're not in faith. We're not with Christ. We're not in Christ without the Holy Spirit. The scriptures tell us that without the Holy Spirit, we can't even see Jesus for who he really is. If we've ever uh, repented and come to Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit said, I want to illuminate who Jesus is to you. It starts with him. It continues with him. Just like Christ, he's the beginning and the end. So number two, what does the secret ingredient do for your faith? So we know what it is. We know who it is. What does it do for your actual faith? The Holy Spirit is top secret miracle seed. Top secret miracle seed. Francis Chan wrote a book that every member of our worship team is required to read, and it's called The Forgotten God, and it's about the Holy Spirit. The reason that we ask the, the, the worship team to read that is just what I share with you right now. Without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. We're just singing songs. We're just playing instruments. He's the forgotten God. We all love to think about the Father. We all love to talk about our relationship with Jesus. But most of us don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. We don't know what to picture. We don't know how to talk to him. We don't know how to pray to him. We don't know how to receive him. We don't know, is it supposed to outpour like this or outpour like that? So we, for the most part, we just try to keep our distance and try not to involve it in the conversation. When's the last time you were talking about your faith and we weren't talking about Jesus? We were talking about the Spirit. If we think about all that God is and all that God has done, and we realize that none of it is possible without the Holy Spirit, we can begin to consider what it is we're actually missing because we're ignorant of Him. When we realize that the Scriptures teach us we say it, we recite it, we, we preach it at, uh, at Easter and, and all these different times. What the scriptures tell us is that the Father is in heaven, that Jesus ascended to heaven, that he's in heaven, and right now here on this earth, it's the Holy Spirit who is here and with us and moving and active and alive within us. And then we begin to say then, well, if we're ignorant of him and we don't talk to him, what are we actually doing? What are we missing Are we missing the secret ingredient? Imagine your faith factory without the Holy Spirit. And then just ask yourself as we move forward, is he the forgotten God in your life? I call the Holy Spirit the miracle seed of our faith because he's what we have that makes us different from every other factory and so-called spirituality on the planet. He allows us to see things and do things and go places that no one else can go. Do things that no one else can do. Evaluate things in a way that no one else can evaluate them. It's miracle work. Miracles, let me give you a quick definition. Miracles are when things happen that aren't supposed to happen. Let's not make it too complicated. A miracle is when something happens that isn't supposed to happen. That includes parting the Red Sea so that a whole people group can walk through it and then allowing it to come back on their oppressors. 
And it also includes a boy being able to slay a giant. Miracles include a, a child being born of a virgin, but it also includes uh, a woman who has jars of oil that don't ever run out. <laughs> it's just not supposed to happen. When reality and nature are suspended or overridden, things happen that don't make any sense. It's a miracle, but they are common in the lives of the faithful. They should be common in the lives of the faithful. Up is down. Trial is good. Suffering brings healing and sin is traded for righteousness. That's miraculous. It doesn't make sense. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Miracles, uh, one of my favorites, and I think we can all learn a lot from a book like that about how to think about miracles. But he wrote in there something along the lines of, if we believe that God created everything, that he spoke everything into existence, why are we so surprised when he suspends or overrides the laws and processes that he created? We love to say he's almighty, he's all powerful. He spoke the earth and the, the planets and the sun and the moon and he formed us from the dust. He breathed life into us. He sustains us. He holds everything together. But then we're shocked when he say, but he can't like suspend gravity or save people or hold back the sea. That's got to be metaphorical, right? We act as if that should be strange as if it should require some greater power or ability that God doesn't have. See, we can be confused about why he does it sometimes and why he doesn't do it other times. Listen, we can sit and say, well, Lord, why didn't you do a miracle here? Why didn't you do a miracle there? Why did you do it for them? Why did you save their family member? Why did they make it through COVID and this other person died of COVID? Why is this person getting killed and this other person is living? God, why aren't you doing miracles all the time? We can question some of that stuff and wrestle with it and talk to God. Why do you do it sometimes and you don't do it other times? But it should not be a shock to us that he does actually do it. When he wants, how he wants, where he wants. 1 Corinthians 16, 8, talk about this idea of having miraculous seed within your, your faith factory. This is Paul, 1 Corinthians 16, 8. He's talking to the Corinthians about wanting to come and see them. But he says, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. He's waiting for Pentecost Sunday. He says, for a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. <laughs> Let me read it again. I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great and effective door has been opened to me and there are many adversaries. He tells the Corinthian church, man, I want to come and see you guys. I want to be with you. But I'm staying in Ephesus because I expect something powerful and supernatural and miraculous to happen on Pentecost, right here where I'm at. I'm not gonna go where you are. A lot of us say, well, God's big, he's huge. He can move here, he can move there. He says, no, right here where I'm at, I expect I'm gonna stay here until Pentecost. God is gonna do something again on Pentecost and I'm gonna be here for it. He says, a great and effective door has been opened to me. I don't know about you, but do you sense it? Do you hear his tone 
It seems to me that Paul is talking about a door that God in heaven has opened for him here on earth. That's miraculous. He says, a door has been opened for me. He's not talking about a friend or a family member or a politician as has given him an opportunity. To me, the tone is God in heaven has opened a door for me. It's a great door. It's an effective door. And it's here on earth. It's a miracle. He's doing something from heaven that is having an immediate impact for me here on earth. There's something inside of Paul that allows him to see this door and believe that it's real and begin to prepare himself to walk through it. That something is the Holy Spirit. It's the secret ingredient. He sees the world differently. He's ready to go places that not everybody gets to go and do things that not everybody gets to do. Look at this. Paul says, he's staying in Ephesus till Pentecost. God's opened this amazing door, an effective door for him. And then he says, and there are many adversaries. (laughs) It's like that part of the sentence is misplaced, like it doesn't belong there, right? I'm going to stay here, Pentecost Sunday, it's going to be amazing. God's opened a a crazy door for me. I'm going to walk through it. I don't know what's going to happen, but something good is going to happen. And he says, oh, and and get this, there's all kinds of adversaries and haters and people that want to stop me and people that want to hurt me. And he seems to almost be excited about it. When your faith has the Holy Spirit permeating through it, you see the world and you see circumstances differently and you expect miracles to happen. I'm not talking about wishful thinking and making decisions that are not sound or wise. What I'm talking about is when you have a faith factory, when you have a life, when you are adding these seven things that we talked about uh, that Peter shared with us, but you also have the secret ingredient, which is the Holy Spirit, you expect miracles to happen. You expect the church to survive being closed for months at a time. (laughs) You expect your marriage to be restored and healed. You expect that even in the midst of some of the darkest and most difficult times, you're going to actually forge and build stronger friendships than you had before. That's miracle talk. That's miracle seed. I started off this message earlier talking to you guys about some things that I'm experiencing while the world is experiencing what it's experiencing. One of the things I didn't share is I'm having deeper and more meaningful conversations with friends and pastors than we've ever had. We're actually growing closer in the darkness than we were in the light. That's miracle seed. That's Holy Spirit stuff. Paul says, I'm staying. God's going to move. He opened a door and I see adversaries. And that's encouraging to me. Last one. How do you make sure your faith factory is fully stocked with miracle seed? So we know what the secret ingredient is. It's the Holy Spirit. We know what it does for our faith. It's, It's miracle seed. It allows us to see the world and see life and see experience um, uh, differently, to have high expectations to know that God, uh, I preached a message one time that, that God will tilt the world in your favor. That's how I feel. 
he doesn't always do it, but he definitely has in my life where he'll literally tilt the whole world just to put me where he wants me, just to bless me, just to move some things out of the way and to reposition me where he wants me. That's faith. That's miracles. I believe in it. And I've seen it. So that's what it does, this miracle seed in our lives. We see things differently, experience things differently, and have different kinds of expectations. But I think this last one is just as important. How do you make sure we're fully stocked on it? How do we keep from feeling that way one week and then being depressed the next week? <laughs> Trusting in God for miracles, and even if we don't see them, um, finding ourselves shortly thereafter questioning God. We've got to be fully stocked. So this last one is funny because when I was writing this message, I found myself getting to this point and, and walking around my house and I was pacing and I was asking God, Lord, give me something really profound. <laughs> we want to close the message like, like I see what you're trying to show me, Lord, and like this is it. How do we stay stocked? You have something, God. He gave me the point before he gave me the answer. So I was like, look, I know this is what you want now. Give it to me. So here it is. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. So how do you make sure your faith factory is fully stocked with miracle seed? You ask for it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Write that down. As my, as my 11-year-old now daughter would say, mind blown. <laughs> how do you stay stocked? How do you stay fully stocked? How do you have a surplus? Do you ask for it? Luke chapter 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. <laughs> Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. See, one of the things that, I, that I, I realized when I read this again is that we almost stand on this scripture. We say we have not because we ask not. God will bless you. God will give you that relationship. God will give you that new job. God will give you that raise. God will restore that friendship. It hasn't happened because you just haven't asked God for it. But that's not what it says. It might be true, but that's not what it says. What it says is, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There's another scripture that says... Uh, you, you have not because you ask not, and when you do ask, you ask amiss. You come to him and you ask, but you ask for the wrong thing. Could it be that the issue is we're not asking for the Holy Spirit, we're asking for other things? We're not asking for the Holy Spirit because he's the forgotten God? We're not asking for the Holy Spirit because we're scared? We're not asking for the Holy Spirit because we've been led to believe that that's for crazy Pentecostals. It's Pentecost Sunday. And there's something wrong with Pentecostals who believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he still does miracles. That he saves us out of dark places. That he heals hearts and he heals minds. That he delivers from addiction. That he restores families. 
We've got a problem if we believe that he is on the throne suspending nature on our behalf. That's not a problem. That's standing on the word of God. We have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask amiss. Read it for yourselves. We need only ask in faith. We talked about this when we started this series. What it means to ask in faith. In 2 Peter, uh, our, our main scripture for the series, he says, you have to ask in faith and without doubting. So again, think about that. When we say we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit, do we ask without doubting and do we ask in faith? See, the Holy Spirit is only top secret and unattainable and out of stock for those who are outside of the faith. If you're not living and working and wrestling within your faith factory, then he's unattainable. He's out of stock. I work in construction in the safety industry and everything is out of stock. You can't get hand sanitizer. You can't get masks. You can't get gloves. Everything is out of stock. So likewise, right, if you are supposed to be a Christian, if you're supposed to be a faith factory, if you're supposed to be being transformed and conformed into the image of Christ, if you're in that factory doing that, God says, I have the supply. If you ask me, I will give it to you. But if you're outside of the faith factory talking about God, give me this, God, build that. God, this is what I would love to really see in my in my life. Well, you can't get it out here. You got to get in the factory and get to work. For every believer in a faith factory, all we have to do is ask. And our father has a surplus. The Holy Spirit is infinite. He's a forgotten God. He's not less of a God. It's not a it's not like a. <laughs> A weird tricycle, right? God's the big wheel in the front and then baby Jesus in the back. And then, you know, we can actually survive on two wheels. We don't even have that third wheel. No, they are one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all big. They're all infinite. Just like Jesus is infinite and he can, and he can forgive and save all the sins for anybody who would come to him. The Holy Spirit can fill and empower everyone to the full and then some. But it's hard to ask for the God that we've neglected and forgotten. This isn't about asking for the gifts of the Spirit either. We got a lot of Christians who do that, right? We'll pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want the gifts. We want to move in the gifts. We want to operate in the gifts. We want to use those gifts to be a blessing to your body and to your community, to your sons and daughters. Lord, fill me. Give me those gifts of the Spirit. And the Spirit is like, my gifts? What about me? You want my gifts, but you don't want me? And we wonder why we're not filled. And we wonder why we end up on the wrong side of particular issues. And we wonder why we're not broken in areas that we should be broken. And we're not bold in areas where we should be bold. We're operating faith factories without the secret ingredient. Help us, Lord. If we do this, we will receive him. But guess what? We will still suffer but we will miraculously 
find healing in our suffering. See, like, like Paul, right? I see the Pentecost, I see the door, and then everyone's thinking it's going to be easy street and that it's going to be parting of the Red Sea, like we've heard of other miracles, and we're just going to skate through. Paul says, no, actually in my life, what I see is I recognize the Spirit is alive, I recognize that miracles happen, God opens the door, and then I find myself with adversaries on every side. So we're still going to suffer, but just like Paul, he saw miracles stoned to death and lives. (laughs) When we get filled, when we ask for the Holy Spirit and God pours him out into our lives, we will still suffer, but we will miraculously find healing within our suffering. We will still find ourselves enslaved and oppressed, but we will miraculously come out of that with some of the strongest faith the world has ever known. We will still get sick and die, whether it's coronavirus or the next one that comes around. But there will be times where we miraculously see that God provides healing to certain ones. Man, I wish we would just read the scriptures. Jesus tells, Jesus tells everybody, he says, hey, there's all kinds of lepers, but only this one got healed this time. There were all kinds of widows, but this only one got their, their child restored to them. Everybody doesn't get it. Isn't it enough to know that God can and God does to serve him? We will see open doors when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we will overcome even when we see adversaries and opposition. Our faith factories need the secret ingredient. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to pray. Worship team, would you come? We're going to close this morning with uh, worship and with prayer and a time of communion. But before we do that, I want to, I want to finish up by uh, reading a portion of Romans chapter 8. And I just feel like maybe there's somebody here or somebody watching that may feel compelled to just give your life to the Lord. Um, so just a minute, we'll start passing out uh, communion, but not yet. Um, so I want to read this. If that's you, maybe you feel compelled, you want to give your life to the Lord. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe you want to pray for Pentecost Sunday to be something special for you. just want to share this with you. I feel like this scripture kind of ties everything we've talked about together uh, for today. From the first fruits to a miraculous bond with Jesus that nothing can separate to recognizing that everything's held together by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. So this is Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 23. It says, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. We also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Let me out of this tent. (laughs) Let me out of this booth. Let me out of this tabernacle. I've got the spirit in here. I need that new body, right? Verse 24, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I think that was number four in our uh, faith factory, perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit 
also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We pray in the Spirit. We pray in tongues. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says we don't even know what we should be praying, so the Spirit prays on our behalf. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Doesn't it sound like it? God knew us. He predestined us for what? To be shaped, molded, and conformed into the image of the Son, the prototype. We are in a faith factory that he can make that happen. He's the first among many. He's the first fruits, but there's a harvest that comes after. Verse 30, moreover, those whom he predestined, these he also called. And those who he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he glorified. What then shall we say to these things? Right? He called us. He justified us. He's doing all this work. So what should we say about what we're feeling? What should we say about what we're experiencing? What should we say about the adversaries? What should we say about the sickness and the pain and the suffering and the depression and the anxiety and the sleepless nights and the hopelessness? What shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore, it's Christ who is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, and he makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. These are the words of somebody with miracle seed in their life. These are the words of somebody that understands what a great and effective open door from God looks like even if it's lined with adversaries. These are the words of somebody that sees what others can't see, is going somewhere where others can't go, is doing things that others can't do, not because of who he is, but because of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna ask you, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're at home, you may wanna do the same thing. There's something about 
not seeing those around you, not being worried about where you are and who's close to you and just being able to be transported into the presence of God. Being able to come to the throne of God. Picture yourself right now at the feet of God. The scriptures say that the Holy Spirit has illuminated Jesus. You, you're coming through Jesus. And in Jesus, you can come to the Father and receive grace and receive mercy. So there we are. If that's you, and you want Christ, you want newness, you want forgiveness, it has nothing to do with your past behavior or future behavior. It's about the Holy Spirit has shown you Christ and enough of Christ for you to say, I want Him. I want hope. I want change and transformation. I recognize that something is missing in my life and I want it to be found in Christ. I want forgiveness. I want hope. I want help. If that's you. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Would you raise your hand? We want to see you. I see you. Anybody else? Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for our brother, Lord. Meet him where he is. Continue your work, Lord. For the rest of you who are here this morning, is there any here who would raise your hand and say, you want to rededicate your life to Christ? You know him already, but maybe you've drifted. Maybe you are a two-thirds God. Maybe you formed your own opinions about what his word says and what he desires, but you just want to say, Lord, I'm all in. I want to surrender to you. I want to give to you. I want to love you. I want to embrace you. I want to see what I haven't seen and go where I haven't gone, gone and do what I haven't done. Lord, I just want to surrender. Is there anybody that would say you just want to rededicate your life this morning? I see you, brother. Anybody else? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then finally, are there any that would say that maybe you just want to repent for your relationship with the forgotten God? That you've been maybe afraid or maybe you've been distant or maybe you've, you've just, there's something in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I see you, sis. Anybody else? You know you're not full. Amen. I see you, sis. Anybody else? You just want more of the Holy Spirit. You want to be more open. I see you, brother. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He, he said it, right? He's a good father. All you have to do is ask, and he will give you the Holy Spirit. You're not a bad son. You're not a bad daughter. You're not asking for something your father doesn't want to give you, but you have to say, Lord, I need more of the Holy Spirit. Would you give him to me? Anybody else before we move on? Just raise your hand before we move on. I see you guys. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to pray, and then communion is going to be passed out to you, and then we are going to open up the altars. We'll make sure that we've got our mask and our gloves on, and if you've been longing to be prayed over, if you've been longing to have a hand laid on you, we can do that. So Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Pentecost Sunday. We thank you for all the things you set in place with your chosen people, Lord. That you use those things to draw our attention and to get us prepared for the coming of the Messiah, Lord. That we could enter into Passover for our Lamb who was slain, Lord. 
We thank you that we could go into this feast of first fruits and recognize, Lord, that in the beginning of salvation, the beginning of the building of the church, Lord, that there were these first fruits that led to these promises of things we hoped would come in the future, Lord. Lord, we thank you that there was a harvest that we can testify I was a part of that harvest and others were a part of that harvest. What you told us might happen. What you told us could happen. It's come to pass. We're so grateful for that, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for those who have given their life to you, recommitted their life to you, Lord. I want to thank you that as a church, Lord, we recommit ourselves to not forgetting about you, Holy Spirit. That you're alive, that you're well, that you're moving, Lord. You are God, Holy Spirit. You are God, Holy Spirit. We ask you, Father, more of you, more of you, more of your Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord. That we wouldn't be afraid to say that, Lord God. That we wouldn't be bound by the boxes that others would try to put us into. And they say, you can be a Christian, but be this kind of Christian. You can read the scriptures, but avoid these difficult areas, Lord God. No, we're done with that. Lord, have your way. You're not the author of confusion, Lord God. You came to give us peace, Lord. Lord, as we share communion, my prayer for everyone here, everyone having communion in their home, Lord, that before they partake, Lord, would you help us to spend a moment just pursuing you, Holy Spirit, talking to whoever we're sitting next to, whoever we came with, whoever's in our homes, that we would talk about, say the name of the Holy Spirit, and ask you to have communion with us, Lord. We love you. We thank you for an opportunity to gather. We, we thank you for an opportunity to worship together. We thank you for an opportunity to even have communion together, Lord. Have your way. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys are released.